Luke chapter number 12. And let's look at verses 1 to 3. In the meantime, when they were gathered together, innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is, what's that word? Hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. In this passage, we see Jesus warning his disciples against the Pharisees, who were the supreme examples of what a hypocrite looked like. And so he cautions them. He, he tells them to beware of this attitude of hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is one that is an actor, one that puts on a show, one that lives a double life, and one that is deceitful. Hypocrisy is a careful and deliberate deception to make one person seem more than what they are. And one of the reasons why Jesus addresses this is because it's so easy to fall into hypocrisy. Don't you agree with that? Now, there are people that are hypocrites through and through, but there are those that are disciples that love the Lord that fall into hypocrisy. And uh, I want to encourage you tonight with this, is that when you see yourself falling into or being deceived or being you know, infected, I want you to uh, understand from this message to draw back or to pull back as the Holy Spirit of God prompts you and you can detect it. And this is what we want to do. We want to be able to detect when hypocrisy is entering in our hearts and we want to pull back as soon as we can so we don't fall into that very sin. It's a sin that God abhors. God is disgusted with hypocrisy and we don't want to be called out uh, and, and being accused, because we're going to be accused of, of being hypocrites. One or whether you like it or not, you're going to be accused with being a hypocrite. There are people that say, oh, I don't want to go to that church, they're full of hypocrites. But they don't realize that they're one of them as well. So we, we don't want to be hypocrites. We, we want to be blameless. We want to walk orderly. We want to walk with integrity. We want to walk with honesty. Listen, and when it does creep up, and it will creep up, and we fall, we need to pull back straight away and say, I should not have done that. And by the way, that is what God loves. Transparency. Not covering sin. Because when we start to cover, this is when we fall into hypocrisy. But if you pull back and you fell, and you just admit it, and you say, you know what, I should not have done that. I should not have said that. You're on the road of recovering. You're on the road of God's grace being manifested in your life. So I want to help you tonight to pull back when you can smell it, when you can detect it. In the life of others, when he's trying to rub off on you, or even in your own, own life, which you also can affect others. And so tonight I want to help you. You know, he says, beware to his own disciples. And we understand that Peter, the apostle, fell in the hypocrisy. Now understand, after Pentecost, he fell in the hypocrisy. After he was warned and trained, Peter fell in the hypocrisy. He, Peter, the great apostle, and we see being used by God in the passage that we're going to turn to later on in Acts chapter 5, in a mighty way, fell into hypocrisy. So how much more can we fall in the hypocrisy? We're susceptible. Everyone in this room is susceptible to hypocrisy. 
And by the way, that's the first step of acknowledging, of acknowledging that you can fall into it and you can be prone to it because at times when you do and you don't detect it, it, it becomes you. You don't even know that you're in it. You're playing the actor for so long that you don't even understand, you know, how to be real anymore. But once God exposes you, you either yield and say, like we heard in the testimony today, and she cried giving her testimony, and God gave her grace, or you can continue to be the hypocrite to your own destruction. And so I want to help you tonight. <clears throat> in order to beware, we saw last week that we must take caution. And to take caution is we have to see what these Pharisees looked like. So we can say, because you said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So we looked at four things last week. We looked at the position of the Pharisee, which is they profess to know God, uh, but their hearts are far from God. So they're all talk, but no action. Second of all, we not only saw the, their position, but we also, sorry, their profession, we saw their position. They were self-righteous. Uh, they were simply... Uh, full of themselves and undermined others. And then three, we saw the practice of the hypocrites. There were eight walls that we saw. Jesus proclaiming judgment upon the Pharisees for this kind of behavior. And we learned from this. Beware, number one, of being a stumbling block. Beware, number two, of putting on a show. Beware, number three, of shallow soul winning. Number four, making promises in a dishonest manner. Number five, having the wrong focus. Number six, having mixed priorities, number seven, being deceitful, and number eight, being fake. And so all of this, we see the Pharisees portray something that Jesus absolutely abhorred and rebuked, listen, vehemently. And we learn from it. And their purpose was for what? Well, the Bible makes it clear that they put an outward show to appear righteous unto men, but within, they were full of hypocrisy and iniquity, full of sin. <clears throat> and uh, not only this, but all the works that they did, they do it to be seen of men. And so we looked at a, several things from Mark, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter number 6. We looked at praying, we looked at uh, giving and fasting. These are not wrong. These are all biblical practices. They're only wrong when you start doing them to put on a show for people. He corrected the behavior. So he still wants people to give. He still wants people to fight and pray. There's no problem with that. And there's, by the way, there's no problem in giving publicly. There's no problem, you know, they gave in the treasury. They gave money, people saw them. But they were just wanting to sound the trumpet. Hey, everybody, look at me. Okay, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with praying, but they just wanted people to notice them when they were praying. There's nothing wrong with praying in public. There's surely nothing wrong uh, with fasting. But all these people wanted to do it for a purpose, and the purpose was to look spiritual in front of men, so they'll be praised by men. They wanted the praise of men. And that is one of the greatest snares every single one of us can fall into. And by the way, if you do, it is the worst thing it is the worst thing to simply live your life as a Christian in. It's disgusting. It is bondage. And you just, if you're in it, you need to get out of it as quickly as you can. It will, take, it will demolish you. And we're going to look at that because leaven, the corruption of the hypocrites. Look how he says, beware of the leaven, verse 1, of the Pharisees, which is, what's, what's leaven? 
It's like yeast that spreads in the dough, right? So leaven spreads. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is important. So hypocrisy starts off little, but then it spreads. Quiet, then quickly. And so he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, because it's infectious. It spreads. Uh, Like I said before, Trapper really liked what he said about hypocrisy. He said, leaven is spreading, swelling, and souring. And that's what it does. It grows and it infects the whole person. Look, hypocrisy can actually affect uh, a person's salvation. Not only this, a person's sanctification after they're saved. Not only this, but a person's service. And so uh, it's contagious. It brings about corruption to others. 1 Corinthians 15.33, we looked at that last week. Evil communication, what does it do? Corrupt good manners. And so, you know, again, hypocrisy comes in all form, behavior, it comes in doctrine, it comes in, uh, you know, uh, words, and, and we're going to see that in a moment. It's destructive. Have a look at, we'll look at it now. Have a look at Proverbs uh, 11. Proverbs 11. Look at verse 9. Proverbs 11, look at verse 9. It can actually destroy you, it can destroy others. <clears throat> Proverbs 11, verse 9. Look at this. A hypocrite with his what? With his mouth. A hypocrite with his mouth, what does he do? Destroyeth his neighbor. So one of the detecting marks of a hypocrite is that they destroy people with their words. They use their mouth to destroy people. And it's a double tongue, double speaking. Uh, The tongue is no doubt a deadly weapon. We looked at this the other day with the children. Death and life is in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You can either bring life or death. Someone once said, don't let your tongue cut off your head. And they can actually cut cut off those uh, that are among you with that tongue that is a little member in your body can do so much damage, so much destruction when you have a double tongue, double talk. Proverbs 11 verse 9, a hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, but look at this, but through knowledge shall the just be what? Delivered. Through knowledge. You're able to detect it. Thank God for the book of Proverbs. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God that he works these things in our heart, that we be able to see it when it comes and we're able to detect and be delivered. Because that's eventually what we want to, to do. We want to know when it creeps up so we can just simply be delivered from such hypocrisy that affects our lives, listen, the life of, uh, of our families, our life, and the church's life. <clears throat> and there's a reason why, by the way, God through the Holy Spirit prompted Peter to deal with Ananias and Sapphira, and I believe that was the beginning of the leaven spreading in the early church. I mean, this is a serious, serious, uh, you know, disposition that someone can have that God absolutely hates and will deal with it. You, you mark it down. Deliberate deception will be dealt with. And you know, Christian, especially the Holy Spirit will make it known to you. We're going to look that Ananias and Sapphira had ample time to detect it, to pull back. But they didn't. 
They entertained it, and this is where the destruction begins. When you entertain deception and hypocrisy, and you don't pull back, the Holy Spirit of God prompts you, God shows you, and if you don't pull back, you're in trouble. God will deal with you. And we're going to see that. But before we do, I want to show you just a little snippet of how Jesus Christ dealt with the hypocrites. I mean, you're going to love this. Have a look at Matthew 22. I mean, if anyone was simply able to detect and be delivered, it was our Lord Jesus Christ. Eventually, he fell prey to their hands because his time was up, but his time was up for our, for our salvation. But there are many times that he would just simply uh, answer a question with a question. He would know their heart. He would know their deception. Have a look at uh, Matthew chapter 22. And <clears throat> look at verse 15. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel, the Pharisees, they took counsel, how they might what? Entangle him in his what? Talk. They want to catch him out. The Pharisees always wanted to catch him out. As a matter of fact, we looked last week, that in, I think it was Mark chapter 7, how, how come your, your disciples don't eat with washing hands? They were just watching so they can just, when they fall, I, bam, got one on them. That's how the Pharisees were. And so this time they wanted to catch him out. They would conspire together so they could uh, try to trap him in his talk. They want to find inconsistency in his talk so they can have an accusation against him. And are, this is basically fueled by political agenda, by the way. Have a look at verse 16. And they sent out unto him their disciples, the Pharisees, with the Herodians. Okay, now the Herodians could be disciples of Herod in a... I think it was Mark chapter 8, yeah, verse 15. The Bible even says, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So they could be the Herodians, the disciples of Herod. And so what was the hypocrisy that which Herod portrayed? I mean, it would have been perhaps immorality, being politically correct, wanting to rule, wanting authority. I don't know. But he, to, he tells us to be beware of, so if you do a study on that, we would see the life of Herod and see where he would simply, uh, you know, characterize himself with and say, hey, I don't want to be like Herod. Wanted the glory? Wanted the preeminence? You know what happened with Epaphroditus? Or John truly fixed him up. God fixes anybody up that he, they want the place of God. You mark it down. The devil was thrust out of heaven because he wanted to take the place of God. And so over here, they were threatened by Jesus Christ. They wanted to trap him. They wanted to fault him in his words. And so they can just simply get rid of him. And have a look at verse 17. Or we'll continue verse 16 first. They said, Master, oh, really? Don't you just love this? Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the persons of men. Good ob observation. I wonder if they really meant it. I wonder if they really meant it. Well, look, verse 17. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Hmm, loaded question. But Jesus, look at this, perceived their wickedness and said. 
Now, Jesus has an advantage. He knows the heart of men. He knows what they're going, what's taking place. But we can learn from him. And he says, why tempt me, you hypocrites? Why tempt me, you hypocrites? Can you imagine Jesus saying that? He knew what they were up to. He knew that they weren't for the truth. They didn't want to know the truth. They want to show him up. They want to fault him. They want to find fault in front of people to undermine him. And so if you undermine him, you undermine his ministry. And you, might, you undermine everything that God called him to do. It's just the work of the devil. It's, it's, it's the work of the devil through and through. And Jesus detected. He, through knowledge, was delivered. And he was able to answer them very clearly. Have a look at verse 19. Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he said unto them, Who is the image and superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then he saith unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. In verse 22, When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Now, what do you say to that? Because I believe... If I'm correct, the Jews, perhaps, or some say, were divided whether they should give tribute to Caesar or not. So what do you say? Should we? And so perhaps the answer would come back and the Herodians going with them, so perhaps were the ones that, of course you should. Maybe they were hoping that Jesus would say, of course not. But he didn't. One day I'd love to preach on this text. Give to Caesar's what's Caesar's. Give to God's what's God's. And I'd like to know what's Caesar's. Give it to him. What's God? Give it to him. You can't go wrong. No matter what the society imposes on us. If we know the difference between the two, then we'll be faithful in doing what God has called us to do. And our greatest example was who? Jesus Christ. Our greatest example. Now have a look at the deception the deceitfulness of Ananias and, for, Ananias and Sapphira. By the way, that's a beautiful name, Acts 5. I believe it's one of the beautiful names. I think it means beautiful, Sapphire. But now, because of her actions, I think Christians are scared to name their children after her. I was tempted. It's a beautiful name. Sadly... They weren't good examples, were they, to the early church? Have a look at Acts chapter 5. <coughs> All right, look at verse 1. <clears throat> but a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold possession and kept back part of the price his wife also being privily to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, it looks to us from this account, we can simply conclude that some sort of commitment was made to the apostles, or first of all to God and then to the apostles, that they were going to sell a property and give it all to the apostles. Now, to lay it at the apostles' feet meant that the apostles were in charge to distribute to every single person within the church that were in need. And so it seems that they were both privy to it, and so they conspired together that they will hold back part of the, the money, which they sold the property for, and give the other half. 
Now, have a look at verse 3. <clears throat> Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Of the land? Now, somehow Peter was given this discernment. We know it would have been from God to discover the fact that Ananias was, in fact, deceitful, lying. He wasn't telling the truth. He, he, he no doubt makes a very sobering uh, you know, thought here. And he says, Satan has filled thy heart. Why has Satan filled thy heart? Now, how does Satan fill our hearts? Ananias was tempted by the greatest tempter himself and the greatest deceiver himself. And let me just say the greatest hypocrite him, himself. In other words, a liar. Tempted Ananias. Why has Satan filled that? So where has this come from, Ananias? We know right from the beginning it came from the devil. The devil lied to Eve. And so Peter just had to conclude the fact that this is devilish. This is not of God. This comes from the devil. This is not heavenly. This is devilish. So why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? And so we know and understand that he was influenced and vigorously influenced by the devil, so much so that he actually fell to the temptation and kept part of the money and lied to the Holy Ghost and then fell into sin. Satan, the father of lies. No wonder the Pharisees were the master manipulators and the master of hypocrites because they would follow the devil who is the, the father of lies. Jesus said that to them. And so who, who are you going to mimic? Who's going to be your teacher? And so if we don't resist the devil, guess what's going to happen? We're going to fall for his lies. We're going to fall for the, those, those uh, deceitful, um, you know, activity that takes place and that we see that, that nothing's changed, by the way. The devil hasn't changed. He's constant. He's consistent. He constantly wants us to be deceitful. He wants us to lie. He wants us to put an image. He wants us to be dishonest. He wants us to lose our integrity. He, don't, he doesn't want us to be people of truth. Why has Satan filled thy heart? We see it all over the world today. Everywhere, it's around us. Everywhere we go, we see deception and lies. Hypocrisy through and through. And so we learn this. And we're tempted to do the same. And over here, we have people amongst the believers that were tempted. And Ananias being one of them. Now, he wasn't accused of, accused of lying to the church. And he wasn't accused of lying to Peter. Who was he accused of? Lying to who? The Holy Ghost. Wow. Now this could give us an indication that Ananias and Sapphira willingly submitted to perhaps the conviction of the Holy Spirit to sell their property. Could be a possibility. However, not necessarily an amount was given, but just the fact that they would sell their property and give it and lay it to the apostles' feet in order for them to help those Christians that were in need. Or it could be that they willingly made this decision themselves 
and you know, wanting to give this free will offering because they knew it was a command to be benevolent. And then later on, they were going to pull back. They were tempted by the devil and the Holy Spirit said, no, don't do it. Be faithful to your commitment. Either way, the Holy Spirit was involved in their life. What did they do? They lied. They deceived the Holy Spirit, which is God. We know the Holy Spirit is God. and In our text, it basically says that it is God. Look at verse 4. While it remained... <clears throat> wasn't not, he, says, he says this, while it remained, wasn't it not thine own? And after it was sold, wasn't it, wasn't it not thy own power? Why hast thou conceived this in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but look at this, but lied unto who? God. You haven't lied to Peter. You haven't lied to the apostles. You haven't lied to your brethren. You in reality have lied to God. By the way, every sin that we commit is against God, first and foremost. Joseph said, how can I commit this great wickedness and sin against God? The prodigal son said, when he came back, I have sinned against heaven. And so every sin that we commit is against, ultimately, God. But I like these three questions that Peter imposes. The first one, while it remained, wasn't, wasn't it not their own? This indicates to us that it was no obligation for Ananias to sell the property. It belonged to him. There was no pressure put upon Ananias to sell his property. And second question, and after it was sold, wasn't it in our own power? So even though he sold it and he got the money for it, perhaps there wasn't even no pressure to actually give it all. He could have said, here, take, I'm going to give you half and we're going to keep half. That would have been fine. It's his, he can do whatever he wants for it. But the problem was, he said he was going to give it all and he pulled back, making the apostles and perhaps even the other disciples thinking that they gave all, when in reality they gave half. Look at this. Third question. Why hast thou conceived this in thy heart? Conceived means to set in place or put in place. Peter holds him accountable. Although he was tempted by Satan, he holds him accountable for his yielding to the temptation. He holds him accountable. I believe the perfect example also that we see that we're accountable for our own sin is found when uh, simply uh, Eve was deceived by who? The serpent. And then she went and blamed who? The serpent. But look what God said to her. In Genesis 3 verse 13, And the Lord, gave, <coughs> sorry, the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? That's what God said to her. Eve, what did you do? Ananias, what did you conceive in your heart? What did you do? Yes, Satan tempted you, but you fell for the temptation. And so we're responsible. Satan can only tempt us, but he's not responsible for our sin. Many people want to blame different things, but God holds us responsible for us yielding to the temptation. The heart and the mind is a powerful thing. I mean, it's so powerful. Very powerful. And, you know, we have to learn that this is where it begins, the heart and the mind, and we must say, listen, I'm not going there. This needs to stop. 
I'm not going to entertain this in my heart anymore. Listen, it doesn't have to be hypocrisy. It can, it can actually, it could be lust. I mean, this is just the principle that we can learn. It could be evil thinking against another brother. Things that perhaps happen, uh, you know, uh, perhaps don't happen and you think are happening and it's not even happening. Wicked imagination. By the way, that's another thing that God absolutely abhors in Proverbs chapter 6. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. And so we see very clearly that we are responsible for harboring whatever it is that is affecting our heart, that is absolutely wicked, and following through. When that sin is conceived, what does it do? Bring forth death. We have to learn to just say no to sin in any form and in any shape. Amen? Amen. Now the main problem, as I said, wasn't necessarily lust or greed, although that was a factor. But I don't believe that was the main problem. The main problem was the lies and hypocrisies. I believe that was the main problem. Pride was a factor. There's no doubt about that. But hypocrisy, sin, uh, the lying <clears throat> and deception was the greatest sin out of all these things. And so this is a huge lesson in that God will not accept the sacrifices of the wicked. Notice what the Bible says in Proverbs 15 verse 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. You say, well, they were believers. But we can still have a heart that is tempted to do wickedness. We can. You know what it's called? It's called the old man. That flesh. Yep. And this is why we need to walk in the Spirit of God so we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And when the Spirit of God says something to us, we say, yes, God, and no to the devil. Resist him steadfast in the faith. You've got to learn how to resist the devil. You know, James says to his hearers, submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You cannot resist the devil if you are not first submitted unto God. Submission to God is a big thing. Loving God is a big thing. Being consumed with God and having the fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom, is to hate wickedness and forwardness and evil and pride and arrogancy. It's to hate it. And you know where you hate it first? In your own heart. And then you hate it in the lives of others. Sin ought to be detested and hated anywhere you meet with it. Anywhere. And so look at verse 5. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down. And he gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. Oh. And the young men arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. Seems like he had a heart attack. Can you imagine Peter coming up, ready to get the gift? Maybe Ananias thinking, oh, man, I'm going to get some praise here. And then Peter says, what have you done? Can you imagine the shock horror on his face, expecting praise instead? He got punishment for his deception. You know, the death of Ananias was an act of God. It was judgment upon him. And, you know, this ought to be a serious, sober Reminder for every single one of us that God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that he shall also reap. It's a, it's a truth. 
thank God for his mercy, but premeditated sin and deception and planned hypocrisy, which we see and we're going, going to see that was the room for them to repent and room to simply come good. They didn't. This is, it ought to be a warning for us. I mean, this, come on, this is like, he's dead. This is like church discipline in its fullest. It ought to be so, I mean, we talk about church discipline and what we can do by the authority of God, but this is just an example, I believe, for all the churches in every age that God is not going to tolerate hypocrisy. Someone once said, sin has many tools, but a lie is the handle which fits them all. Satan is a liar and a murderer. Satan lied to Ananias. Ananias took the bait and fell. And he was judged for it. May God deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. Look at verse 7. And it, was, and it was about the space of three hours after he, when his wife, knowing, <coughs> not knowing what was done. She, she, she didn't know what was going on. She didn't know that her husband's dead and buried. Big, by the way, there wasn't a big mourning ceremony. No funeral. Didn't look, didn't look like it. Just out in the back, bury him, man. Whoa! Well, and Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Oh. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? By the way, we see this three times. It's almost, you have lied to the Holy Ghost, who is God. Now you've tempted against this. It's almost like you see the Godhead here, the Spirit of the Lord. Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. You know, Sapphira had ample opportunity to confess and pull back. She did. There was another opportunity given to her. And because she didn't, she, f she faced the same fate as her husband. Sapphira also sinned against God. Peter rebuked her and says, you have tempted. You have tempted. How have you agreed to tempt the Lord? And so, what does this tell us? This proves that Ananias and Sapphira planned it. They planned, they planned to be deceitful. They conspired together. They had a meeting together. And they were planning to be... That was not like, oops. Or, you know, they fell and someone rebuked them. Hey, did you know, Peter, this is hypocrisy? By the way, Peter fell in hypocrisy. Peter confronted him. He came good. This is planned. This is premeditated. This is why it's a fierce judgment. You know, they were conspiring. They were just thinking, oh, I didn't, for the life of me, I don't even know why they had to. But you know what? It was going to be infectious to the church if it continued because who knows what they would have done later on. There must be a stop to it, to tempt. This gives us an indication that they had ample time to pull back and be sure your sin will find you out. <clears throat> perhaps they said, perhaps no one would know. Let's do it. Uh, you have tempted the spirit of the Lord. God knows. 
Don't you understand Ananias and Sapphira? God sees all things. He knows you've tempted the Lord. You thought God wasn't going to deal with you? And this is, I think, the greatest deception that we think that if we're going to premeditate sin, that God's going to wink at it. Now, he's already winked at it. Winked at it. There's a, look, listen, there's a fierce judgment for those that know better. To whom much is given, much is required. And when the Spirit of God makes it completely clear, and we are just premeditating time and time again to continue to play the hypocrite, when there's ample time to pull back, judgment will come. Sober warning, isn't it? Look at verse 11. And great fear came upon all the church. First mention of church here in the book of Acts. Great fear came upon all the church. All the church. And upon as many as heard these things. And by the way, brethren, we are hearing it today. Look at the Corinthians. Some fell sick and some died because they were just abusing the Lord's Supper. God still deals with it. We don't know. We don't, I don't have apostolic gifts to know, like Peter. And I don't think we should just go around and just continue to say, oh, this person's sick and this person's going to die. What, what have you been up to? <laughs> I mean, not all, not all sickness and death come because of hypocrisy, but what I'm trying to say, it is a serious thing, and it does bring upon judgment. And many of God's people feared because of Ananias' judgment. God hates lying. Proverbs 19, verse 5, A false witness shall not be unpunished. And he that speaketh lies shall not escape. Proverbs 19 verse 9, I don't have time. A false witness shall not be unpunished. And he that speaketh lies shall perish. They didn't keep their promise. They weren't true. They, they didn't have integrity. They were dishonest. Proverbs 19 1. Better is the poor man that walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and there is a fool. They were pretenders. The Lord takes willful sin seriously and judges sin severely, especially the sin of hypocrisy. Just after the tabernacle was built, God judged Nadab and Abihu for what? Strange fire? False fire? Things that appeared to be something that what it, and it wasn't? God judged who? Achan in the days of Joshua? Why? Because he was playing the hypocrite and he was hiding and, and there was sin in the camp and God wanted to bring it out. And you know what? God will always bring it out. When someone's not transparent and someone's being deceptive, God will bring it out. That's a fearful thing. We ought to be warned that that's a fearful thing. Some people fly under the radar. They go from one church to another church, from one church to another church, so they can fly under the radar. But guess what happens? God will still deal with them. By the way, that's judgment in itself. That's like lost in the wilderness, my friend. Not to be part of a good Bible-believing church and just to go from one church to another church because you haven't dealt with your sin, because you haven't dealt with hypocrisy, is judgment within itself. It's a sad thing to be under such condition. And Ananias and Sapphira were judged for being deceitful. God uses these judgments as warning to us that it would not affect our bodies and soul and spirit and will not affect our families and the church. 1 Corinthians 5. How do we deal with outright hypocrisy in the church so it doesn't spread? Well, God gives us the blueprint. 
in 1 Corinthians 5. And this scripture is pretty much overlooked and it's not practiced in some churches today. And, and by the way, that's hypocrisy in itself. We preach against sin, 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 evil, and we don't deal with it. That's hypocrisy. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 6. Your glory, uh, context, what happened? No one fornication. The church was in fornication and they were glorying in the fact that this fornication, there's nothing to be glorying about. This is sin. Paul's saying to the church, you've got to deal with it. And, he, and, and look at verse 6. He says, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little what? A little what? Leaven. Leaveneth the whole lump. A little leaven spreads and it's going to infect the whole body because of your fornication. And look at verse 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. What did our Christ, the Passover, sacrifice for us? What, what, what was it for? For sin. For sin. So again, as God sacrificed Christ for us, our Passover, so that we glory in sin or deal with sin. Or not even sin, abstain from it. Ugh, don't want anything to do it. Deny ungodliness and wickedness. Prevention is better than cure. Thank God for his mercy and grace. Amen. But not taking his grace for granted. And when sin enters, enters in, we don't boast in sin, we deal with sin. And, and sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's not just, uh, oh yeah, yeah, but it, 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 it. no, it, it's just, hey, but God, God gives us a second chance and he loves us and he wants to forgive us and it's all greasy grace, you know, on top of each other, just on top of each other. And people wink at, oh, but, yeah, but there's good things in the church too. No church is perfect. I understand that. I understand that. But deal with the sin. Amen. Get rid of the old leaven. It's corruption. It affects the body. I know, I know, no church is perfect. But we want to be perfected. We don't want to stay in our hypocrisy and say, yeah, no church is perfect. No, we want to be perfected. And we want to say, no, we don't want to be hypocrites. And beware of the leaven of the Pharisee. We don't want to be like that. We don't want to be like Ananias and Sapphira. Look what happened to them. We don't want to be like the church at Corinth, glorying in sin. We want to deal with it. And he chose them how to deal with it. Have a look, verse 5. Uh, verse, sorry, verse uh, uh, 9. Uh, we'll look at verse 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of what? Malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of what? Sincerity and truth. Let that ring in your heart. Joshua uh, serve the Lord in sincerity and the truth. Amen. Let that ring in your heart. Transparency, sincerity, integrity, with all genuineness and truth. Be an open book. When people see you, they know what to expect. Nothing's hidden. Nothing's covered. Yes. Praise God with sincerity and truth. And then, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to keep company with fornicators, yet not the not altogether the fornicators of this world, nor with covetous, nor extortioners, nor with idolaters, for then must ye needs to go out of the world. But I now have written unto you, not to keep company with any man that is called a brother, be a fornicator, a covetous, an idolater, a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one, no, not to eat. Don't fellowship with him. 
For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore put away from you among yourselves that wicked leaven, that wicked person. This is when they say, no, 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 no. We, just, we look at the, the words of Christ. The words of Paul are not inspired. <laughs> Convenient. Yeah, you have people in our day that that's what they do. The, yeah, Paul, it's a suggestion. All through and through. But the words of Christ, this is what we look at. We'll read Matthew chapter 18 and other passages like Matthew chapter 23. You know, God wants us to deal with sin. And if we don't deal with sin, it's hypocrisy. And it's just going to, what's going to happen? It's going to spread and it's going to bring about death. Hymenaeus and was it who? Philetus. Their word eateth like a canker because of their teaching, undermining the truth of the resurrection, caused about gangrene within the body of Christ. What do you do when you have gangrene? You cut it off. So it doesn't spread. I don't know about you, we might not have apostolic gifts or powers or abilities or like Peter's foresight and to say to Ananias, uh, to Sapphira, <laughs> the, the man that just carried your, your husband out the door, he didn't say that the first time with, with Ananias, but he said it the second time. Now that's big. But we have the authority to say, Listen, if you're going to continue in that sin, sorry, the leaven needs to be out. And, and, and you know what? Don't feel bad because of it. Sad? Absolutely. But not feeling guilty? That's what God wants us to do. And if we don't do it, it's hypocrisy. Conclusion. Go back to Luke chapter 2 and verse 2. This is a fearful thing, brethren. A fearful thing. That's how serious sin is, and God takes sin seriously, doesn't he? Luke 12, verse three, uh, 2 to 3. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Thou shall not be known. In other words... It's all going to come out. One day, God will reveal everything. Someone said the art of being a hypocrite depends on concealment. But one day, all be revealed. We can only be hypocrites before men, but never before God. He sees through the actor's mask. And that's true, isn't it? Ecclesiastes 12 verse 14, For God shall bring every work in the judgment, with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Matthew Henry said that the day is coming when hypocrites will be stripped from their fig leaves. God's truth as light will expose the leaven because that's what it does. David was no doubt discouraged in his day because of this attitude and he was surrounded by men that were hypocrites and knew that one day God was going to deal with them. Turn quickly to Psalm 12. Have a look at Psalm 12. Psalm 12. 12. 
Psalm 12. Look what he says. <clears throat> the precise time in which David wrote this psalm is perhaps unknown. However, it was a time where he needed help. He needed men that were simply for, listen, justice, mercy, and truth, and integrity, and faith. But he looked around, and he was discouraged, and he said, help, Lord. By the way, that's a good place to start. When you're trying to live for the glory of God, and you're trying to do what's right according to the Word of God, and you feel down and out and depressed and discouraged, what a prayer to pray. Help, Lord. Help, Lord. Because sometimes what you do and what you have done can simply be thrown in your face to make you feel that you are the one that is guilty. If you've done it according to this book, don't feel guilty. Your loved ones, those that you're praying for, those that you're pleading for, those that you want to see saved, will misunderstand you. Friends, look what he says. Help, Lord, for, for godly men ceaseth, for faithful uh, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. Help, Lord. In verse 2, we see the detailed definition of what a hypocrite looks like. Verse 2, they speak vanity. They speak vanity, vain words. Fruitless conversations. Vanity, mean nothing, unprofitable. Waste of time. Vanity. With his neighbor. With flattering lips. Lies. They speak lies. Everyone. Vanity with his neighbor. Dishonesty. Not telling the whole truth. False witness. Flattery. Making insincere compliments on others. Telling others what they want to hear. Being politically correct. By the way, Daniel prophesies about the Antichrist being a flatterer. He's a, he's a liar and a deceitful person. And one day he's going to rule with flattery. Telling the people what they want to hear. Politically correctness. Damns a soul to hell. And then he says here, with fluttering lips and with a double heart do they speak. Two-faced. They think one thing and say something completely different. They wear two masks. And the mask depends upon who they're speaking to. Spurgeon said, a man without a heart is a wonder. But a man with two hearts is a monster. Look at verse 3. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips. And the tongue that speaketh proud things, God will deal with it. Verse 4, who has said with our tongue, we will prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is the Lord over us? Scary attitude, isn't it? Wow, you know, David shunned not only this uh, disposition, this destructive tongue, this double heart. He'd only shunned that, but you know what? He absolutely 
you know, was shunned the very nature of which it actually poured out from. This is an attitude that is a heart that is desperately wicked. Full of pride. We'll say whatever we want. You're going to stop us. God's not going to stop us. I don't fear no man. I do what I want. That's a scary attitude. That's a scary attitude. Well, one day God's going to deal with the attitude. Last admonition and we're done. First Peter chapter 2. And we can learn from Peter. You know why? Because Peter fell into hypocrisy. Let's have a look quickly. <clears throat> Second Peter, uh, first, sorry, first Peter chapter 2. <coughs> Wherefore? Wherefore? This is Peter. Remember, Peter fell into hypocrisy. Wherefore? Laying aside all malice. All guile, trickery. And what? What's that word? And hypocrisies. All hypocrisies. Listen, in every form. Listen, in every form. All hypocrisies. And envies and all evil speaking. Look at this. And as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may what? Grow thereby. If so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You know what's going to stunt your growth, Christian? You know what's your... Now, I'm talking about spiritual growth. I'm not talking about Bible knowledge. You know what will stunt your growth? And having a desire for that word to grow into the image of Christ and do His will? Not taking off that mask. Not laying it aside. There's no way you and I will desire the Word of God in its true sense if we are playing the hypocrite. We're not going to desire it. As a matter of fact, there's, there's this... You can get in the Bible as much as you want, but are you growing as a Christian? Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. For they shall be filled. The righteousness, the integrity, the honor, the truth, justice... These things that matter, these weightier matters, these things that change the heart of a man and a soul, we hunger after those things that grow us as Christ followers, as Christians. And one thing that hinders us is hypocrisy. If we don't lay it aside, we will not grow. Have you tasted that the Lord is gracious? Have you tasted that the Lord has been good to you? Because that's the motivation to lay aside that filthiness. That ugly sin that perks its head up every time. And even after a message like this, it's ready to perk its head up. But you need to be ready to detect and beware and watch. Because when it does, you need to say, no, nah, not doing it. Cast it down. No, nah, not going there. Not going there. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. I want to be governed by the Spirit of God. 
I want to walk in the Spirit. And I want God to continue to show me those little things that come in my life that will spread like wildfire. So that every time it comes, little water on it, little water, because if you don't put them out, they're going to put you out. And you can still stay in this book and think you're okay, and that's the deceitfulness of it. May God help us. May God help every single one of us from religious rhetoric that doesn't grow the inner man, but just grows the head. May God deliver us from such hypocrisy which the Pharisees fell into. Brethren, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Let's pray.